in one of the biggest seismic series shifts in Grand Prix motorcycle racing history. MotoGP is going sprinting. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. I wonder how many F1 fans are listening to this show now suddenly going, oh no, the sprint. Collective groan heard across the world. Oh boy. I can only imagine. Oh no, not you too. <laughs> it was probably the vibe. Uh, it's like playing Plague Incorporated or something. Hey everybody, I'm Dre Harris and welcome to episode 389 of Motorsport 101. Glad you could join us for this MotoGP Austrian Grand Prix weekend. And uh, well, amazingly, and not for the first time this season, um, the race itself is kind of taking a back seat on this one. Um, this was a huge, earth-shattering, out-of-nowhere, news-breaking weekend. And uh, yeah, MotoGP is going sprinting, Cam Buckley. My god. Yeah. Uh, hello, all listeners. Uh, this being a one-on-one podcast, we can just yeah. call this Bike Live 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> it's it's like a london bus one series you're waiting for one series to change the format and then two do it right next to each other yeah yeah to say the least and uh we're gonna be dealing with that it's an it was a like i i cannot stress this enough on wednesday that we had genuinely no idea this was coming there was not even a crumb of news regarding this until I think Friday morning there was rumblings going around about it. And then by Saturday morning, it was confirmed and official. Yeah. That's how out of nowhere this news was. Um that MotoGP will be having the sprint race debuting next season. And it's it's come out of nowhere and it's been seismic. The reactions have been huge. We're going to break down as many angles as we can over the course of the next probably hour or so. This is probably going to be a long one for understandable reasons. I've put in my notes here double length for the top topic because uh, this is a huge, huge story and uh, it deserves and warrants the time. By the way, there was also a Grand Prix. Um, Francesco Bagnaia, who, as Cam quite rightly pointed out in our script, undefeated since becoming a criminal um <laughs> which i think is hilarious he's got, he's got that nascar moonshining speed <laughs> he's got that getting away from the cop speed uh yeah three wins on the bounce francesco Bagnaia. uh and yeah fabio Quadraro somehow put in that yamaha second in austria which is normally a death sentence for a yamaha um Second place for him as well. Jack Miller also on the podium. Um, this will be a Jack Miller slanderous podcast. I stand by this. Leave the man alone. He's he's doing good. <laughs> like, okay, you leave Jack alone. Every other Ducati's the one screwing I him. plead the fifth. You're damn right you're pleading the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> I will not I will not allow it. I'll just no, 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 Jack Jack legitimately had a very, very good weekend. He did. We had a great weekend. We'll be talking about that. And we'll be talking about more mess at KTM. KTM is... Oh. And and finally, Ryan Eric King isn't here to defend them. <laughs> to be fair, 
I know King well enough to know he probably wouldn't defend him even if he was on the show this week. Because, uh, my word. Um, they are. You know, the only thing that is really saving them from just being called out relentlessly for the mismanagement is the other orange team on the grid. Yeah. Yeah, to say the least. That's probably the only thing saving, sparing their blushes from complete embarrassment. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of Ryder and team-based shenanigans and a reboot for one of their teams as well. We'll get into that in the back half of the show. But let's get the housekeeping out of the way real quick. Places you can find us. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you find our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD and at CBuckley917. RJ is an RJ O'Connell. He's on vacation. He'll be back in episode 391 next week. We're recording this in IndyCar together. So we'll be back in a couple of episodes time. Uh, have a good vacation, RJ. Hope to see you back soon. Um, all that we can check it out on our website as well, motorsport101.com, where I've written about both this race. There'll be an IndyCar review by the time this episode goes out as well. So you can check that out as well. Um, and I've talked at length about the sprint race in general. If you want even more thoughts from me on that, you can check it out on there. As well as that, we have our Patreon on there as well. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. You can back us on there for early access to these episodes uh, and access to our Discord server. We can listen to these episodes being recorded as we speak. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking us out. There. So thanks for backing us financially on there. We greatly appreciate it. Right, without further ado, let's get into the big news of the weekend, and maybe the biggest news to come out of MotoGP since Suzuki's departure. <laughs> let's talk about the sprint. So, as we alluded to, Cam, we genuinely didn't see this coming. This no, was there, there was no talk. We 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 heard some rumblings of some kind of format change. But what we actually ended up getting, nobody, even even the day before when we had started to hear the rumors pick up, we didn't realize it was going to be this extensive a change. And this quickly as well. I mean, the only even tidbit that I could think of regarding this was it was in the survey that MotoGP put out earlier this year. They did a fan survey in collaboration with Nielsen, who normally do these big motorsport surveys once a year and that survey was largely mocked mostly for the reason of well it was an almost carbon copy of the one they gave for formula one last year so, Gee, so funny how that worked out yeah uh, again any 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 resemblance is purely coincidental as they would say um but the language was so similar that a lot of people just kind of laughed it out of the room but there was a question in there regarding the possibility of sprint races, but I don't think it was taken particularly seriously. Um, it didn't elicit any sort of, you know, mass discussion regarding the idea, certainly from the people I follow in from the biking world. So it was largely, you know, kept under wraps until Friday. Friday practice, we started getting the talk from the journalists that this announcement was coming. You know, the Simon Pattersons of the world, motorsport.com got it first, that they were going to say, oh yeah, mo sprint races set to be announced. Everyone's like, oh shit, we're getting sprint races. And yeah, um, apparently uh, most of the riders didn't know either. Um, the, the, for many of the riders in the paddock, the, their first hearing of this was from the journalists interviewing them during practice. I say, as we would find out from the uh, kind of the 
the top three running MotoGP, it was actively kept from them for the yes. fear that it would be uh, leaked out to the press. Yeah, the first that the paddock had heard of this was the safety commission meeting on Friday. Um, and yeah, we'll get into the reasons why that is in a minute. But uh, Saturday morning, to fast forward, there's an exceptional press conference called, you know, as in surprise, not because it was a really good press conference. It was actually a bit of a bloodbath, to be honest with you. Um, but there was a big, exceptional press conference call on Saturday morning just before um, FP3. And it had Commander Esperalta, the um, CEO of Dorna, obviously owned MotoGP, or, you know, the company that runs MotoGP. Um, Jorge Vargas, the uh, president of the FIM, the motorsport bike equivalent of the FIA for all intents and purposes and Hervé Poncheral Uncle Herve as, as I like to call him um, Hervé Poncheral obviously um, KTM team principal of the, the Tech 3 team and importantly he is also the head of the right of the racing teams association so he's basically is in charge of the teams essentially the he represents them and yeah, they announced that sprint races will be added to the 2023 MotoGP calendar at every race. This they, was... are, they are jumping in the deep end right away. Yeah, there is no Formula One. We might build this up. I mean, look at Formula One by comparison. It was debuted last year. They had three of them. They tried to up it to six for this year, and the teams were like, no, you will not. Um, so they compromised and kept it at three. They were originally going to have six this season, but um, they knocked it back to three. Point being is they're doing this for every single race for, uh, for next season. Now, here's the key details of what we know so far. This is still subject to change. They've already changed the details this a couple of times since the initial announcement on Saturday. But here's what we know so far. This is going to be only for the MotoGP class. So, yeah, no Moto2 and Moto3. So this is just the top flight. Every round will have a sprint race. It will be roughly 50% race distance of what a Grand Prix length normally is to the nearest lap. Um, this will be on a Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. local time. So a couple of hours after what we would call conventional qualifying. Um, they are borrowing World Superbike's Super Pole point system. For those who are fans of World Superbikes, you will know that the Super Pole race has points down to ninth place. So 12 for a win then nine, then seven, and then it's minus one down to one point for ninth. So they're, they're basically ripping the Super Pole system straight into to this. It's a carbon copy. There'll be no changes to tire allocations over the course of a weekend, which will be interesting. Um, but the gen here's the key difference between this and the F1 sprint. The qualifying format is not changing. Yeah, this does not affect the primary Grand Prix. Correct. Um, sprint races will not affect the Grand Prix grid on Sunday. The current process that we have now, where Formula um, FP1 and FP2 that will determine, you know, the free practices that will determine the top 10 that would automatically get into Q2, that stands. The, the sprint race will have no bearing on that. So whoever is on pole position after qualifying will take pole for both the sprint and the Grand Prix on Sat on Sunday afternoon. Um, so the sprint race, for all intents and purposes, is standalone. Um, so much so, in fact, they will actually not count as official wins either. Mm -hmm. um, they will go in the book as sprint wins, 
in its own separate category compared to what would be considered a Grand Prix victory. So that's going to be in the books as an official change. Um, but also there will be some fangling around with this with these weekend schedule, i.e. FP4 will be dropped on a Saturday afternoon. Um, FP3 will be shortened to 30 minutes um, on a Saturday morning where the FP3 slot is now. Um, so that will be cut down to 30 minutes and they will also extend FP1 and 2 on a Friday. So there's rumors it could be an hour, but that amount of time has not been made official yet. But uh, there will be no more FP4 on a Saturday afternoon before qualifying. So... Uh, yeah, that is the basic structure of what we know, as of course this is subject to change. If there is any major changes after that, we'll let you know on the show in the future. But that seems to be the soft plan for the time being. And well, Cam, I mean, where do you even start with all of this? This is an earth-shattering story. This is essentially doubling the calendar. I yeah. mean, you're going from 21 to 42 races. Yeah. Um, then all still having championship implications, given that, that mm-hmm. they're still going to be handing out points. Mm-hmm. And safe to say, this split the room. Yeah, it's that press conference was a bloodbath. It in didn't... every sense of the word. It didn't go over well. Camino Espelta came across like a dictator. He laughed off the idea of a riders of the riders forming a union over this. The, the, um, it, it came across very much in the "this is how it's going to be if you don't like it, that's not our problem" kind of mentality. Right. Yeah, definitely that seems to go through kind of the the, the upper echelon of the sport. And mm. man, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, both in the paddock, uh, throughout the teams, and of course, uh, you know, fans of the sport. Everyone kind of chiming in. Some, you know, some people seem to be very much in support of this. Mm-hmm. And fair enough, more, you know me, more bikes is more bikes. Yes. But at the same time, it it feels like, uh, it feels like they made this decision without consulting a lot of those who would be directly involved. Yeah, they did. They did not consult the riders on this because... Opinion was divided. From what I've seen on social media and, and interviews in general, Mark Marquez is all for it. Maverick Vinales is for it. He was propping it up on his Instagram account. Um, you know, Amir is in favor of this. He said, you know, you know, for the good of the show, et cetera, et cetera, is, is what he would say. But I've also heard, you know, people like Fabio Quadraro, both Fabios, actually, Fabio Di Antonio. Is, is, Fabio Di Antonio has been the one dude who has said publicly, we need a union, basically, is what he basically came out and said on Sunday. Um, Quadraro said it was a totally stupid idea. Um, he doubled down on it when he was asked after more details had been revealed um, on on Sunday morning when they released a statement. I, I loved his quote of uh, paraphrasing here. I'm not going to say more, but my opinion hasn't changed. <laughs> And Alicia Spargaro, who we all know has no filter, called it bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Alicia has no filter. He, 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 he just says shit like this. Um, yeah. The riders are split, which is why... I, I think that was cut... always going to happen. I mean... I, I, I joked about it with Kevin. I know, I know listens into the show. Kevin, good to see you, buddy. Um, 
I said to him, there was dissension amongst the riders the weekend of Catalonia 2016. And you know what that weekend was for, Cam, right? Uh, jog my memory. Louis Salom's passing. Yeah. And there was arguments about what to do about turn 10 and turn 12. Yeah. Like, I re- distinctively to this day remember the anger that came out of Bradley Smith, who was at the time, I think, head of the safety commission amongst the riders. Smith was a, like, okay, he was never the best biker, but he was universally respected in the paddock in terms of basically being a pseudo-leader for them. And he eviscerated Valentino Rossi and Jorge Lorenzo that weekend for apparently not giving a shit in the riders' meeting they had on Saturday. Like, so... People have died in this sport, and people have taken both sides of the fence. This is yeah. not going to lead to a riders' union. I, I, I no, you've got you've got twenty four to twenty five individuals who are not they their very personalities are to not agree with the people around them. Right, you know, people will take advantage of the system because they want to win. That's the whole point of sport, you know. And very rarely do you get that many people on the same page, as far as I'm concerned. So. Yeah, I don't think we're suddenly going to get a riders' union out of this, but it is interesting. The notion of it being the notion of it being laughed off. Yeah, and not a good I look. mean, I mean, the press came to uh, came to those running that meeting that that conference with rider quotes that effectively told them off. Of it, it, I think the quote was, "If the riders need something, they will talk to me, not to you." Right. When the riders did talk to them and express their concerns. Yeah, like the, this was. This was not universally approved or disproved by anybody. You know, this was a split room uh, as far as we're aware. And that's, you know, the whole nature of that press conference was combative. It was defensive. It was the journos giving them both barrels who understandably and quite fairly had many questions about how far we're going with this. And, that's the one that leaps off the page to me, Cam. Because when I when I read my initial piece about it, I was like, "Yeah, I'm kind of for it." And then also, I didn't consider just the fact that you're just doubling the intensity of a Moto G a Moto GP race weekend, especially when I've had concerns in the past about their expanding calendar. Like they are chasing Formula One's back. Like I remember growing up when a Moto GP calendar was 16 races long, and now we're at 21. Are at 21 and it's not going to get any smaller like no they want a race at spa like that's probably oh, going to happen in the next couple of years they still haven't raced at the kaimi ring yet in finland and that's still or potentially on the table um so they're only going to get bigger you'd feel and doubling the workload <sighs> Doubling the workload, and, and I mean, you have to look at it, the fact that these, it, they came out into that press conference seemingly ready to ready to fight anyone who disagreed with them on any notion there. Right. And while I don't think, while I don't think they're completely mutually exclusive, MotoGP has bigger problems than the format right, right now. Right. Uh, given you know how dependent both aerodynamically and you know device dependent the bikes have become. Yes. Where 
similar similarly to what we were saying about formula one last year when it came to the sprint and that generation of car which just couldn't race well they were so dependent on the arrow mm. um giving us more of the same flawed product isn't re- it, it, it's a bandage fix yes it's a band-aid it's a band-aid on a, on a gangrious head wound and <laughs> i'm kind of in two minds on it cam yeah. Because part of me is like, well, at least the sport is acknowledging that there is a problem. That is a good thing. I would much rather a series try to change itself, even if it scares and risks alienating people, than a series that sits on its hands. And I also would like to say, well, World Superbikes went to 36 races a year when they brought in the Super Pole race in 2019. Mm-hmm. And there was not this huge backlash about potential workload for its riders. Hello, wow. like I said, I am glad that in that time more people have given a shit about that because it's a good thing that we care. Well, I think I think a lot of that has to come down mm. to a production-based bike is not gonna. It, it's not going to be quite as physically taxing as an out-and-out prototype. There's not a. There's not nearly the differences say there is between like like a, a GT3 car and an LMP1. Nothing right. like that kind of difference. But there is a difference. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of that also comes down to the fact that there's just more eyes on MotoGP and there's more yeah. opinions that are going to get thrown around the room. Absolutely. That's entirely fair to say. And yeah, look, look, <clears throat> MotoGP is not like Formula One in that by comparison, Formula One, I've, I've mentioned this before, like they don't have what I call the medium level injury like MotoGP does, a broken limb, you know, a, a broken leg, a broken arm, a broken wrist, a broken scalp. Uh, for, unfortunately, a it's, well, mm. it's, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword, mm. given, given the march of safety throughout motorsport, that generally you're either going to walk away from something effectively unhurt, or you're probably not walking away at this point in Formula One. Right. And... Yeah, MotoGP is different in that you'll see a lot more of the, like I said, the medium level injury, you know, the the broken limbs, maybe a concussion, stuff that will put you out for maybe a round or two, maybe three or four for a particularly bad here's injury. A, here, here's a thought that mm. what happens when a championship contender is racing in a sprint, he comes off the bike, he gets hurt, he's out for the season. What's the discourse around that fighting for those half points? What's the discourse around that going to look like when that happens? Nothing good. I'll, I'll tell you that for free. Like, we could easily see something like what happened to Yoan Mir this weekend, where, you know, first lap. Shattered was, his ankle. You know, torn the ligament in his ankle, just shattered his foot completely, and then he, he was launched into the air. Um, that, that was the first lap of the race. That yeah. can that can happen in any. I mean, that's the most dangerous part of a Grand Prix. We I mean we almost lost Takanakagami through this earlier this year off a grid start. That's arguably the most dangerous part of a Grand Prix weekend. And now you're doubling that. You're having two of them every week. That's going to be a problem. And yeah, like it, it comes back to that age old question of how many is too many, and. There is no straight answer for that because we've grown up as motorsport calendars have gotten bigger and bigger, and we've talked about the risks and you know what the potential problems of this are, and yet people are still prepared to keep pushing because it's 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 the easiest revenue source. 
you know, for promoters, so the, it's more the money easiest for them. way for them to get more out of a weekend is just put more content on the weekend, put another yeah. race in there. And Dorna will will now run to all its TV broadcasters and now try to up its price because now you say, hey, you're getting a sprint now, you're getting a second race on a Saturday, like prime times TV slot. You know, how about another fifty million on that TV contract? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's. It's going to be really interesting to see how this whole situation develops because mm. even as we start going through weekends with this sprint, because it's, I mean, it's set in stone. It is going to happen yeah. uh, next year. I'm really curious to see the discourse around it and how it does affect that championship. Because here's the thing. If you're pushing over the course of about 10 laps, you don't need to have a care in the world about wearing out your tires. Mm-hmm. And bikes that are better, like qualifying is going to matter more for those bikes. That is going to throw a wrench into the championship. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, we've seen the trend throughout this year, and we'll get into it a little bit during the uh, the actual Grand Prix portion, but mm. the Ducati is so busted in the first half of the race. And then the second half of the race, it just, it, it, it pounds its tires. Yeah. It's a very different, I mean, there will be competitive differences. Like, not being able to worry about your tire wear is going to play a factor in this. Again, the characteristics of bikes are going to play. Like Suzuki are very, very good first half of a race. They faded on tires before, you know, as as Cam alluded to, Ducati are very much the same. Yamaha and a pretty attempt to get better as the race goes on. From generally what we've noticed from Alicia Spargaro this season, not so much with Maverick because we know he's had problems before. But again, we've seen Maverick challenge for wins doing that this yeah, season we saw as it well. In, uh, we saw it in Silverstone. Yeah, very nearly won that race. Could have won that race. Had a shot to win that race with two to go at Silverstone. So there will be big dynamic differences in the field. Yes, it will still have the problems that we've talked about before, about aero and tire management in terms of, you know, like obviously controlling your front tire. I, I, I think going forward, that has to be priority number one is we need to get... Mm. We need. I mean, did you see the brake disc on the front of the Suzuki this weekend? It was a three hundred and sixty-five millimeters. It's a f- over a foot wide, like fifteen inches. I think that is roughly. That's a f- huge friggin' brake disc. Yeah, because they with all the aero and all the ride height control devices. I mean, we're we are over the limit of the front tire. Actually, it, it just came out uh, earlier, I believe, today as we're recording. Mm. That Michelin is going to commence uh, testing of an all-new front slick within the next month or so. Oh, I see. Just to just to try and get on top of the fact that we we are the bikes are too fast for their tires now. Shit. <sighs> that 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 should be an alarm bell to the field here. That yeah, this is a serious problem. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad Michelin are trying to address this problem. As tire supplier, but uh, this is this is what we're dealing with right now. We've we've gotten away with it for the last couple of races because they've been good, you know. They've not been as processional um, as we've had in some other rounds earlier this season, where if a key protagonist goes down, the race becomes a bore fest. Um, but this is a problem, and chucking a format change to your weekend reeks of what Formula One has done in the past of the sprint, where it was like, hey. We can't fuck with the cars because we would need the entire paddock to agree to that. Um, what do we need to, to, to have some entertainment? Um, let's fuck with the weekend format instead because that's all they can change. And remember, this... quality. Remember twenty sixteen quality elimination qualifying. We don't talk about that anymore. 
No, we don't. And right, nor should we. And that's what it. The whole thing feels incredibly knee jerk. And like this was a non-factor a week ago, and now it's the biggest piece of news we've gotten in MotoGP this year. This is a this is a historical announcement. This is a huge change to the Grand Prix. We, calendar. we we've seen we've seen rider feuds that have split the room less than this. Yeah, and there will and there's it just came be out of no, nowhere. Yeah, it's come out of nowhere, and there will be no universal solution to this. Like this is going to split the room. This is going to split the talent. This is going to split the teams. Apparently, the teams were the only ones that were all for it. And I'm actually shocked that the teams were all for this. Like, if More you're a team boss, what's bigger, it for bigger you? Sli- bigger slice of the TV money. Yeah. If, if you make more TV money, it's more for them for taking part, I suppose. And this is a sport where Dawn has had to give out more, especially to the independents in recent years. So that does make sense. But again, this all went over the riders' heads, which is which doesn't sit right with me that they were not consulted on this. And I can understand why it's why it's alienated quite a few people in that paddock because they're the ones that are risking their lives doing this in, indirectly for our entertainment. And you'd think somebody would run it by them first. I mean, look, I don't think it will be one, but if there was good reason to form a riders' union, this would be the one right here. Yeah, and and uh, to kind of borrow borrow some words from. Uh from our friend Ryan Eric King that the the safety commission is not a union. It's the riders, union, they cannot collectively bargain. No. Um, they, they're there more or less in an advisory role. Yeah. And e- even to that effect in that they were, they're in an advisory role. They were not consulted whatsoever. Right. Like the, the, the sport could have done this. They could have mentioned the riders, Hey, we're doing this beforehand and still, and still gone ahead with it regardless. Hmm. But it's cutting them out entirely that I think has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Right. They've gone over their heads. And it's not the first time MotoGP's gone over their heads because they the sport themselves did this regarding the front ride height device. Like so you know, getting rid of that was a sport strong arm in the team's move because Ducati was always going to hold them in an impasse when it, when it came to a collective vote because Ducati invented the damn thing. So they're going to want to run. The, they're going to want to run their new tech, and the, the other teams were like, "No, no, 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 no." Ducati were like, "Yes." So it's going to stick around, and then that's when the sport went over the commission's head. Um, so it's not the first time it's happened. So I wouldn't completely rule out anything crazy going forward. But yeah, there's there's so many different facets to this story. There's so many different stakeholders in it from the riders to the teams to the bosses to the TV stations, you know, to the overall bigger picture of trying to get this sport back on track again. Because, you mean, yeah, this was a good weekend for MotoGP. There was 92,000 in the house in Austria. Uh, pretty much a sellout. I say, um, a huge contrast compared to, you know, the, the discourse we were having after Silverstone when their crowd had dropped by half over the last couple of years. Austria is doing just fine. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a sporadic, different sort of team and weekend problem, and yeah, that's wild to consider. But you know, it's the TV ratings at Silverstone were terrible. They were they combined that and ITV uh, that had the race on free to wear. It pulled less than British Superbikes on Eurosport does. That's dreadful. 
You know, so they need to do something, and I'm glad they're trying to do something, but I'm not sure this was the fight that was worth having. <laughs> That's my overall vibe, at least. <laughs> you know, to borrow a line from regular car reviews, sprint sprint format weekends are a farmer whose crop is indifference. I just, I don't feel a lot towards them. I don't no. really dis- I don't dislike them very much. I don't really like them very much. We're just going to have to see how they implement into MotoGP because there is going to be a definite performance difference comparing what we see in sprints and what we see over a full Grand Prix. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, like I said, that's generally my vibe. I don't have a strong feeling for or against. Um, You know, it will only hit like, you know, like, so I could see why somebody might think this is better. I can certainly see why it might be worse. Formula One, I've, I've been very critical of, of their sprint and how clunky it has been um, on occasion and how I would improve things if I had the opportunity to. So, you know, I'm not acting like this is perfect but by any, any means. I probably, if somebody put a gun to my head right now, I'd probably say, okay, let's try it. Um, but I'm not sitting here saying, yeah, pro sprint races. This is awesome. This is way better than what we've got right now. I mean, I don't think so. And I think it's still dancing around the greater problem that the sport has right now. But they are two separate issues. You know, do I think the weekend format needs changing? Not really. Do I think this this could still be an improvement? Possibly. You know, so... I'm keeping an open mind, but overall, this is not straightforward, and there's no easy answers to this. So let's hope the sport knows what it's doing in this regard, because this is complicated. There are many different facets at work here, and you know, you hope that things get ironed out soon, but uh, we'll have to wait and see how we go. Cam, let's talk about the race, shall we? Oh, and a race we did have. Francesco Bagnaia, undefeated since becoming a criminal. Three on the bounce. He has taken a hat trick. He's gone three straight in in the top flight. This was another interesting race. I mean, he there was some danger here, given that, you know, Anea Bastianini had his first career top flight pole position. And I thought, oh, hello. If he gets away early, this could be a serious problem because we all know how good Bastini's been in the second half of races this year. Turns out Bagnaia passed him at turn one. Bagnaia felt like sorry, Bastini fell down the field and it was Fabio that was the late threat at the end <laughs> because, of course, it totally makes sense. Yeah, Echo passed him at turn one and was pretty much never seen again uh, until the very end of the race when, as we mentioned in the last segment, that uh, Ducati tire wear kicked in but still wasn't enough to cost him the win. Three on the bounce, he's continuing to make progress, but he's not making enough progress because Fabio Quattararo dug deep through reality, through life and death, and dragged a second place out of that Yamaha at the Red Bull ring. Including that beautiful switchback on Jack Miller at the new turn two chicane. Um, going the outside through the through the right hander and then cutting back in on the it was a beautiful pass from Fabio Quattararo, who's like it's like he had his his super same moment. It was just like you know what, I can just out turn you. 
and then just went around the outside and cut back on him. It was it was a. You remembered he was riding fighting. a Yamaha. Yeah, it helps. Um, and he played to his strengths, and that's been the story of Fabio at Yamaha. Like we know, the bike is dog shit. Everyone and their mother has said the same thing that it's dog shit, and yeah. Yet despite that, Fabio just keeps pulling these results out of his ass. This this was phenomenal riding from these two. These two are in a different league compared to everybody else. It's that simple. And yeah, two best riders in the world by far. Banyaya is fast as hell. He's he's seemingly ironed out a lot of his tuck in the front problem and he's just managing these races uh, i'm gonna the say a well. big we'll see on that given that he did in fact tuck the front during practice he did during their yeah, warm-ups um fp4 i think it was he he uh, he, he tucked the front at turn that's nine. the thing with peko is that when, when he's not crashing he's usually winning yes but there's got to be some there's got to be some meat in the middle there he's got to be able to raise that floor like yeah. we've been talking about with Bast- like we were talking about with Bastianini a couple of uh, a couple of episodes ago, if he could get the floor up, he wouldn't be having to dig himself out of this hole because as it stands, he could win every remaining race this year. He's just not doing that much damage in the championship when Fabio follows him home. Yeah, he's still forty four points back, and we still have seven races. We only have seven rounds left. Um, so Fab like seven second places for Fabio wins in the championship unless Alicia Spargaro runs to table which is not happening with his fractured foot uh lord he's yeah. trying but uh um... yeah Leish, i mean he did his best and given given this was not a great weekend for the aprilia but there's just not enough there no it's it's starting to get the impression that argentina and the upside to potentially win a race just isn't quite there Alicia's not finished out of the top 10 since um, since Cota. He's still doing an unbelievable job on that Aprilia. But you it's need just... that last percentage. And I think mm. with that with the broken foot, that that the edge that he's had to be able to get, you know, consistent podiums and top fives out of it might have slipped another two or three places, and that's just not enough. Right, right. And then and yeah, he needs that, and it's just not quite been there. Um, and yeah, Banyaya, who since he won his first round of the season at, at um, um, back in that was, I think, um, yeah, it was at Haref. He's been literally win it or bin it. Five wins, three DNFs, yeah. all crashes. It's and literally just, win it or bin it. And that, yeah. that's not healthy. You don't win in a title that way. No, no, there's got to be a whole lot more wins than bins to uh, try and win any title that way. And it's it's just the same old Peko. Every year he's he's so fast. He is as good a front runner as you've ever seen. Yeah. But when he drops the bike, it's usually just he tucks the front, he goes off the road, and that's it. Yeah. And luckily that's not happened to him in the last three rounds, but he all he can do is keep winning and just hope for a Fabio error. It's not unthinkable. It has happened. Well, what but- he needs, Dre, is for the other ducks to – he needs the other ducks to be in the way because yeah. all the Ducatis – we can get a top five sweep of Ducatis in qualifying every race because that's what it feels like every race. Yeah. But their tire wear is so bad. And Bastianini and Martin are so ex- – I mean, they both – Bastianini, fair enough to him, was really not – it was not on him that he went out of the race. He ended up uh, striking a curb and breaking his front wheel. Yeah. Um, 
and just again, couldn't stop the bike because his front tire was going down. Mm. But the the fact remains that so it's the kind of the Ducati theme. It's either win it, bin it, or if you're Jack Miller, just come home a solid third every weekend. Yeah, that was the third podium finish in the last four rounds for Jack Miller. All third places. He's been the only one that's been able to run even reasonably close to this to these two at the moment, and that's why Miller is now only two points off fourth in the championship. Um, so. Miller's been the one that's really been backing Manier up where he can, but even he has not got enough pace to beat Fabio most weekends. That's the problem. Um, and Bastianini's been inconsistent. Zarco's just not been particularly fast the last few rounds. Um, and then Martin binned it on the final lap when he had a podium in his hands, and he crashes it. Not yeah. ideal. That's that's the Ducati bug at this point, and. Even to that effect, I mean, the tire wear is so bad on that bike. Another lap, and Fabio probably gets Pecco. <laughs> he was coming at him like a missile in the final two laps. Yeah. Uh, and that, and that's, that's going to swing a little bit from track to track, but Fabio's perfectly capable of grabbing another three, four wins out of the remaining seven races, and that's there's nothing that you're really going to be able to do about that. Yeah. And it's 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 every year Paco has to pull himself out of this hole that he gets in in the first half. Mm. If he can fix that, cancel Christmas. Yeah. But exactly. it's been it's been the the it's been the second year in a row of that, really really uh two and a half. Yeah, I'd say so. It's uh it's 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 a uh, it's an intriguing scenario. But all can, all Banyai can do is just try to keep winning and see what happens it's out of his hands he needs help at this point in the same way that fabio could probably do with some help um but given how disjointed yamaha is at the moment he can't get that either it's uh it's a weird weird blend of scenarios you know how bad it hurts watching franco morbidelli set a red sector yeah and then it just and then just all the time pisses out because he's just he's just not he's not all here since the knee surgery it's so sad. He's such a talent and he's such he's a great guy as well. He's one of the few genuinely good dudes in bike racing that's actively gone out of his way to help out with social causes as well. And given that MotoGP is extremely tone deaf towards that for the most part, um, I want Fabio. I want so I want Frankie up the front so bad. It's just not been happening for him, and it makes me sad. Um, it's a real damn shame. Um, speaking of damn shames, we got to talk about KTM. Oh, put on your orange hazmat suits. Um, this is uh, this is something, boy. Because uh, let's, uh, let's just let's just roll through this because we had a we had a hell of a weekend. Keep in mind, this is the site of uh, was it not a win last year in spectacular fashion for one Lord Bender? Yeah, like we've had nothing but spectacular KTM moments here for the last two years on their home on their home track. May I add? Um, that, uh, you know, two years ago, Miguel Rivera wins an all-time classic here for Tech 3 back in the day. Last year, uh, Lord Brad Binder won one of the craziest finishes in the history of bike racing. This year, it was different. It was a different sort of crazy. So here's a timeline, roughly, of the events we got in the news regarding KTM over this weekend. In no particular order, 
Tech Free announced on Friday that they were being rebranded. They will no longer be known as Tech Free next year. They'll be known as Gas Gas. Yes, them. From the junior categories, it's one of KTM's sister companies. They are aimed predominantly more at younger audiences. Um, so the Gas Gas brand will be leading their sister team next year. Um, they also announced during that that the bike will be red. Very important announcement, of course. Yep. And the fact that Paul Spargaro was finally confirmed. I mean, it was it's it's badly kept secrets at this point, but Paul Spargaro will be their lead rider for 2023. They only announced one of their two riders for next year. Remember that. It becomes important later. Um, what was also interesting about it was that Pit Biera, who obviously runs KTM, said publicly on the record to multiple people, he said it to Dorna's journalists and BT Sports over the course of the weekend, that they still want to keep Miguel Oliveira. And they he publicly said on the record that we've reworked our offer and we've offered it to Miguel again, basically. And he, we, we want to keep him, um, which was intriguing. So like, okay, so Miggy might not leave after. He might just be being essentially demoted back to Tech Free again. Um, now they asked Miguel about this, and Miguel said, I've not heard any new offers. So uh, someone's lying. Um, Does Zach Brown work for KTM? You'd think he would, the way things have been going the last couple of weeks. But Miguel Rivera said publicly on the record, we've not received any new offers. And we're going we're gonna to wait and see what happens. He was very coy when uh, talking about his future. Um, didn't commit one way or another to anything. There are still strong rumors he might be heading to RNF Aprilia next year to front that team, which is... Uh, that could be very dangerous um, for Aprilia if they can get Miguel Oliveira on the books. Um, war came out in, in over the weekend that Raul Fernandez, there was more leaks regarding him. He is definitely leaving at the end of the season. Apparently, he told KTM that um, back as far back as April in Indonesia that whatever happens, I'm leaving at the end of the year. Yeah. He, uh, didn't. He, he is desperate to get out. He does not want to be there anymore. Yep. He doesn't want to be there. He's leaving at the end of the season, no matter what. Um, so it is ugly for Fernandez at KTM right now. It's just going through the motions until, you know, we could see whether they want to get rid of him or not um, and where he ends up. Again, rumors strong he could be going to RNF. We'll have to wait and see. Well, Speaking well, of all which, that, Dre, I mean, hmm. I mean, he might be leaving, but they still have Remy Gardner, right? Wrong. Um, uh. Remy Garner said after the race on Sunday, and this is a race, and thanks for Jason in our chat for pointing this out. He was lapped during that race, Remy Gardner, may I point out. Um, after the race, he said, and I quote, there's no place on the grid for me next year. Which, unless Remy knows something I don't, that sounds like a like an I'm not going to be in the series at all next year. Which you're talking That's... about the current you're talking about the current Moto Two World Champion is not going to be here next year. One and oh, done. Good lord. One and done for at this team for the two protagonists of one of the most wild Moto Two title fights that we've ever seen. Arguably the best Moto Two team of all time. Hmm. The, the only team that comes close was Rabat and Cario in 2014. 
And that wasn't that was a very very good team. They won ten races that season. Like I think Red Bull KTM in Moto Two won thirteen last year. They were in they were untouchable in Moto Two. I was going to say Remy was the Remy was last over the line on Sunday, wasn't he? I believe so. He got beat by Lorenzo Salvadori on a test Aprilia. Yeesh. He got beat by he got beat by every Honda. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah, times are hard out here. It is hard out here in these streets. Um, Garner reckons he's gone. He might end up in World Superbikes next year. That's how rough this is. Cam, what the fuck is going on with KTM? It's just uh, this whole season for them, all the all the hype going in. And, and they have one of the best rider lineups, top to bottom, in the sport. Lord Bender, Miguel Oliveira, the dentist. Yeah. And two extraordinary Moto2 riders. Yeah. And it's just, it's all just snowballed into a mess. The bike, fair enough. I think they got lured very much into the same, uh, the same trap that Honda did when they redesigned their bike. And they're Mm. suffering a lot of the same problems. But the rider mismanagement, it, it beggars belief. And this is not new. This has been ongoing with KTM. Yeah, it's been around for a good two or three years. The, the um, only the only consistent call here has been has been Brad Bender, who, I mean, at this point, his his record is above reproach on that bike. He's seventh in the championship on a complete dog. Yeah, it's the same as last year. Brad Bender, pound for pound, is as good as anybody in MotoGP, given what he's on. And given the results he's able to consistently churn out on it, he has done a remarkable job for KTM. He's done incredible work, incredible consistency. But One the DNF same time, Dre, yeah. There are races where Miguel Oliveira is the best rider in that group. There's a, there are races where Miguel Oliveira is the best rider in the field. And until this weekend, he had a run of five straight top five, top six finishes. Or yeah. top 10 minutes, say. Yeah, he had five in a row before this race. We finished 12. There are streaks where Miguel Oliveira looks every bit the rider who was hyped, he was hyped up to be. And yet, going into this, like, until that statement from Barrera, like, we thought that KTM was effectively shoving him out the door. And he's been so good over the last few races that they've had to call him back. Yeah. It's like, baby, don't not- walk out that door. We can work it out. Exactly. It's like a bad breakup's going on in slow motion as we talk. It's really, really weird. I mean, it's too many cooks. It's you got too many guys in in that scenario right now. Like it's like Ducati. The difference is Ducati have got eight bikes to accommodate. They can afford to split. It's that they've got too many cooks, but they can't keep any of them. Right, because they're not good enough to justify keeping them. Yeah, we. How can you look at Tech Three this year? Given given the record that those two came into this series with, mm. and they're they're backmarkers, they've barely at all looked like getting into the points this year, right? And <sighs> are Jack Miller and Paul Despagaro a huge upgrades on what they've got right now? They're not. No, no, because we. We love Jack on the show. Welcome we do. to Jackass is one of the calling cards of the Motorsport 101 Discord. We love him. We but love. We Jack. know what Jack Miller is. A rider who is fast as hell, pretty good wheel bike to bike, but can't manage a tire worth a damn. Yeah. 
And for all the hype going into this year, I'd say every last drop of that hype has drained out of Paul Espargaro. Yeah, he's been awful this year. Mm. Not entirely his fault, in all fairness. Not, a, but... not at all. But like he, he hasn't even been top Honda most weekends when he is the guy who effectively defined the whole direction of the uh, 2022 shitbox. Right. So... So yeah, I I I'm sitting here right now thinking to myself, I don't think there's an upgrade here in bringing in Miller and Aspargaro to your two respective teams. Like you brought in Gon and Fernandez on the emphasis that this was going to be the future of your team going forward. Now don't get me wrong, Raul Fernandez has not worked out, and again, that's not entirely mm-hmm. KTM's fault either. Well, Raul Fernandez, did, like in all of this, he's the guy who doesn't who doesn't want to be there who looks like he's getting his wish right because he he never wanted to be here anyway he was entertaining the yamaha buyout and ktm put their foot down and well pulled the original piastri if you think about it or the original polo and activated his contract locked him up for this year right so we know that there is actively bad blood between the brand and fernandez but getting rid of gardner why? For what? For who? I mean, for, for Paul Espargaro right now? Like, think of your future. Paul Espargaro is 33 years old. Gone as a year one guy. Normally, you give rookies two years in this sport. I say it's the it's like a cardinal sin to bring a rookie up and then drop them after a year. We know a lot of rookies need two years on these things. Yeah, especially given the, the turmoil that KTM is in. Right. I just and- don't understand why, like, and the, I could almost understand it if they were going to bring up Acosta or, you know, Fernandez to Electric Boogaloo Augusto from Fernandez. Moto2. Uh, bring Augusto up from Moto2, but they're not. They're bringing in known quantities, and Paul Espagro left KTM but for a reason. Right. And now they they're bringing him back. They should just... It's like, yeah, run it back with Paul, which is just very uninspiring. Jack Miller, who is good, but not great. And you've got Acosta sitting there. I mean, where's Acosta going to fit into this next year? I, I I don't think he is. I think he stays in, in I mean, he's he's not really, for as much as he lit the world on fire in Moto3, he hasn't done, so, done it so much in Moto2. Not that's yet. fine. You give him more time. But then there's heavy rumors going around that Augusto Fernandez has a promotion clause in his contract if he wins the Moto2 title. Oh, uh, Which, by the way, I, if you've not been paying attention, he's one point off the lead right now. Well, uh, I hope he likes Ducati. Because <sighs> if he's got a promotion clause, it ain't going to be KTM who's bringing him up. So, like, Fernandez is giving that factory a real friggin' headache at the moment now because there's every chance Fernandez wins the championship. So what do you do then? They, they don't have enough bikes, and they're bringing in people who are outside of their program to fill up those bikes. Because oh. what's it going to look like now where we've got... We're losing Gardner. You're mm-hmm. losing Fernandez definitively. Mm-hmm. Miguel might just there's a good chance Miguel doesn't come back sure the only constant here is Lord Bender <sighs> they've got three of those four seats signed 
Good lord. And you're bringing, I mean, look, it's happened before. It's a great effect, but are you bringing Augusto Fernandez up onto the factory KTM first year? He's asking for trouble. And history could very well repeat itself. I say, what happens at the end of next year when they clean house again? Yeah. What if Acosta ends up becoming gangbusters in year two and wins the Moto2 title then? Which is, again, every possibility that happens. And it's just this, it's this theme with KTM. There's no consistency. It's just, and it's the same way with developing the bike. It's the same way with developing the riders. They're just throwing parts and throwing bodies at the problem. And it just isn't working. It hasn't worked for a couple of years now. They, they they were making such great strides up towards the front of the grid. They had a title challenge two years ago. Mm. And then it just, it, it's just stalled. Yeah. And I don't think that, uh, I don't think that throwing bodies and parts at the problem is the solution when we've seen like the consistency. <sighs> Ducati's a bad example because they have had a bit of a changing of the guard, but even mm. then, they've had this. They at least kept their rider lineup for two years in a row, right? And yeah, it's all just a bit of a mess at the moment. And yeah, there, there's no easy solution either. You got to sit there and hope that Paul Espargaro brings back his old form from KTM, and you got to hope that Jack Miller can do what he was doing on the Ducati. But there's no guarantee that's going to happen. Like the, Miller right now is on arguably the best bike in the field. KTM is not. KTM is not that, and it's taken two years of Brad Binder to even extract this out of this. Like, there is so much to, that, that could potentially be a problem with this. We're going to have to wait and see how it goes, because, oh, boy, like, there is no quick fix to this for the KTM, and I, and I do not see an easy solution. This is None of this is straightforward. It is a mess. And uh, good luck to him, but... Uh, <laughs> Should we get out of here, Cam? I think I, th- I think we've had our fun. I think uh, I, th- I think uh, I've had enough talking about KTM for one week. Good good idea. MotoGP is back in two weeks' time at Misano, where apparently Mark Marquez will be doing a test if you ask Alberto Puig. Fuck no, please God. Um, is, 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 I <laughs> fire this man. I am on my knees. <laughs> don't come back mark please don't take your goddamn time mark please do not do not go to that test do not even think about it do not be silly seriously just no stop anyway uh as i said mono gp will be back in two weeks time at misano home turf for ducati and the vr46 academy could be some fun results there shout out to luca marini uh, who was a, who else had a career high in fourth this weekend? Great ride from him. Keep an eye on on, on uh, the VR forty six boys the, uh, next weekend at uh, at Masano. Speaking of VR forty six, did you know he's Valentino Rossi's half brother? Never mentioned. Um, places you could find us real quick. We are on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter, Motorsport underscore 101. Uh, and our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at CBuckley917. Instagram, Motorsport 101 pod. Website, Motorsport101.com. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. You can find us. All of our shit is on there in some way, shape, or form. We'll be back later this week to talk about IndyCar at Gateway. And, uh, oh boy, what a finish we had there. What a race that was. And, uh, yeah, the Penske's, they be coming. More of that very shortly. But until then, 
I've been Dre Harrison. He's been Cam Buckley. This has been Bike Live. Sayonara. Dre, you got to go onto the computer and get your old Bike Live sounds out. I have to dig up like 500 gigs of my old hard drive to see if I can still find it. So, yeah. <laughs> so, if you, if you think the jingles are a bit different this week, you know why. Um, <laughs>